Hello and welcome to another episode of Chilling with Charlie. If you've ever wondered what it's like to be currently employed by Champion Data and getting your hands on the spatio-temporal data set, well then, today you're in luck. I'm here today with Tim, who does just that. Running a podcast costs money. Chilling with Charlie is proudly sponsored by Betfair Australia. Betfair operates a betting exchange and is licensed in the Northern Territory of Australia. They are not a bookmaker and you can see how they champion data modelling by checking out bit.ly forward slash betfaircharlie, gamble responsibly. Thank you for joining me today, Tim. No problem, it's a pleasure. Why don't you just tell us a bit about yourself, your background, uh, what were you doing before champion data and then what made you decide to work with footy stats? Sure. I suppose I'm I'm relatively new to the footy stats world. I've been at Champion for a bit over a year now. So my background's actually I, I studied physics at uni and then, uh, yeah, worked for a while uh, for the CSIRO and for um, Bureau of Meteorology in the area of climate sort of climate data and so did a lot of visualizations and data pipelines and those kind of things. Worked for a while in a sort of in the private sector doing data science work. And then when I saw this job come up with Champion, it was, uh, yeah, like I love footy and been a Collingwood fan for sort of over 20 years. And yeah, and I thought it'd be a really interesting thing to, to get into. So what does your role with Champion involve as a data scientist uh, and what sort of things might the listeners have seen? Yeah, well, um, I suppose I'd, my my work is a slightly different side to Champion rather than some of the more sort of traditional footy stats. I work a lot with the uh, with the tracking data, so the, the spatio-temporal data from the from the units that so all uh, all AFL players wear a unit in the back of their back of their jumper that's recording their position and their speed um, at all times while they're playing and uh, which is just a remarkable kind of uh, access a remarkable data feed that we have in uh, for AFL that that many other sort of sporting codes don't have so yeah so I that's the data that I work with at, at Champion, and that's data you might have seen it uh, on um, on the TV through the sort of Telstra tracker, uh, some of the records through the AFL app. So that's uh, one element where you might have seen that sort of work. And uh, also, yeah, so it's sort of working with uh, with the clubs, with the AFL, and and, yeah, with broadcasters. So what sort of, I guess, questions are you trying to answer when you look at the spatio-temporal data? Well, the big, the big questions are that I think we have, through sort of our more traditional stats, we have a really good uh, or a pretty good, uh, no, a really good uh, view of, of how the player with the ball is, is getting the ball, uh, using the ball, uh, how teams are, are putting together chains to to score, um, and so that sort of player level view, I think, is, is sort of well covered. Uh, I think the spatio. One of the really exciting things about tracking data is that it starts to give us a way of looking at the 
the players who who sort of don't have the ball and about what roles they're playing, where they're moving, uh, team defence, these sort of aspects of the game that perhaps weren't so well covered. So that's really the big sort of question. And what's exciting is that we can sort of get a bit of insight into that and about certain maybe players that that play a really important role covering ground, um, making space, getting to the right places. And uh, through this tracking data, we're able to start, uh, yeah, to start understanding that better. You help clubs understand these sort of questions. So are you providing them with tools and visualisations? And what sort of things are they? Yeah, that's right. And look, this is, it's been sort of two years now that, um, that we've sort of had full coverage for the um for the tracking data and it's been quite a sort of a technical challenge and but the other challenge is this is all this is all new new data and it's a new um a new way of of thinking about footy uh that's meant that it's uh there's there's still quite a lot of experimentation about how do you actually use this big feed of position positional data and what's the right kind of visualization to have impact like you can see if you're um if you're subscribed on the afl app you can see uh, you can see the you can visualize the the dots you know the dots running around through the through the tracker and so that gives you a sort of a way of seeing the shape of the game perhaps you're not seeing the video but for clubs that's sort of like they're on game day at least uh you know they they already know where their players are and they they know where the opposition is and and so yeah so just a straight visualizer isn't you know doesn't necessarily have the kind of impact that that sort of clubs need so that's why we're you know we're working on other kinds of approaches to it about around what we sort of call tactical tactical metrics uh, about uh, things like looking at, okay, uh, you know, how many players are in a particular zone on the field, that sort of um, thing, like at, at stoppages or at centre bounces, which player is where. But, yeah, it's, it's a collaborative process with clubs and they all have different ways of that they need data and they have different approaches to data as well. So, um, you know, we're working with them to, to so they get what they need from it. So are clubs quite different in terms of how you need to deliver your message to them? Yeah. Yeah, they are. I think that's um, it's a really exciting that sort of like there's no one way that, that each club approaches data i think in general you know and that's part of the you know every every club of course is looking for their own edge and they're looking for to try and be the best and there's no one one way of doing that and uh you know especially because uh we have the the soft cap on on spending with clubs uh they're all looking for the most efficient the the best way of of getting that data in and uh you know i think it's a more general thing than just sport but uh if you're working with data the great challenge is to you know it's very easy to just 
give someone a massive CSV or or Excel spreadsheet or JSON file, it's the challenge is getting that in the right shape that that can be turned to to knowledge and insights, you know, and that's that's such a massive challenge. And uh, yeah, so so yeah, all all clubs, I think, um, and some clubs. I think are, are really more. Uh, there are some clubs that are a bit more progressive, and some that are a bit more conservative. But I think they will recognise that this is a really powerful, um, yeah, powerful new data set. It's just working out exactly how it can lead to them winning more games of football, because see, GPS and or um, spatial data more generally is really. I think it's really quite mature in the in the sort of sports medicine type field. So doing sort of injury prevention, load management, uh, looking at players, uh, players' drills to make sure they're appropriate for game situations. All those sort of things I think are quite well understood. But yeah, in game in game um, tracking data is is something that's quite new, and I don't think there's yeah, there's not sort of one set way yet that uh, that it should be used, and it, yeah, that's exciting, but it's uh, it's also quite difficult. So, were you hired specifically to look at the spatiotemporal data, or is that sort of just come to you as a role? I think that was a, a big part in in hiring me, but I also do some other sort of non non tracking work, and of course, like. Champion does work with sports other than Aussie rules, and we, you know we work with um, with netball and with rugby league, and yeah. So and I do a little bits on that as well. So with the spatiotemporal data, is there anything that was sort of surprising to you that you found when you were analysing it? There is a few things that are really really surprising. One was I think as a as a fan who's sort of watched a lot of footy but perhaps not thought about it in an uh from an analysis point of view is the amount of time that players um are not running you know the amount of time that players spend sort of walking to position standing still getting in the right place that's i find that really quite interesting is we think of you know these running machines who are who are you know doing 14 14 Ks in a game. But yeah, there's also a lot of that is is sort of uh yeah, managing when's the right time to run, when's the right time to to sprint. And uh yeah, that's one thing I found quite interesting. The other big thing that I found really interesting and I actually have to constantly constantly be aware of this is that Bigger numbers in the uh, in the tracking data space, and it's not necessarily related to performance. Which I think there's a great temptation to think, oh yeah, well this this player ran thirty percent more than this other player, or their maximum speed was you know was was a couple of meters per second higher, and that sort of tells you a lot about the role that that the, the the player is playing and about how they're going about it, what what kind of player they are, but it doesn't necessarily tell you they're a good player. Players can have massive impacts and not necessarily cover a huge amount of ground and not necessarily 
run particularly fast. It's, but there's, yeah, it's, it's, uh, you sort of, you know, like we're so used to, oh, this person got this many tackles or this many contested possessions, this many contested marks. But yeah, the sort of aggregated tracking data is a bit different. It's, it's more about, wow, this player kicked like, kicked six goals and yeah, an absolutely incredible performance, but didn't necessarily move that far away from the goal square. While another player who had a fantastic game might have been constantly just, just leading up and hitting up um, on the wings and covering huge amounts of ground. And I think that's quite a powerful, yeah, powerful thing for tracking data. It allows us to, like I think people who watch footy and think about it probably have a have a bit of an idea of that, that there are really sort of mobile centre-half forwards or stay-at-home centre-half forwards or sort of attacking halfbacks that, and break the lines and and some that are more sort of just getting in great positions and taking intercept marks uh but yeah that's that's a constant constant surprise and you always have to pull yourself back a little bit especially when we're still growing with the with how we use the data and like in in broadcast when you watch watch the the footy and see the, the Telstra tracker thing come up you know we're we're still getting better understanding about what's the most interesting thing about that and and a lot it's when oh well this player this player's run a, run a huge distance which is a, like that's a really interesting thing to know and shows you just how just the athleticism of the players but yeah we can go further than that we can do do better and that's what you know we'll continue to do in the future so I guess spatio-temporal data is, I guess, new to AFL. Hmm. What sort of sports are you able to lean on and have you found really interesting to pluck some ideas from? Look, I think soccer is the is a big one. They have a good, some really interesting things done with, with spatio-temporal data um, about, about coverage coverage of the uh, of a of a soccer pitch and owning space from is something that that yeah tracking data allows it to really understand uh, better and i think um what's been interesting because of what we have done is tried to apply some of those ideas to afl directly but afl sort of different you know we um the way that a defensive zone in a footy match works is sort of a bit different to the way that that a, a soccer team defends, and I think that that is something that we'll continue continue to learn from, and sort of uh, adjust a little bit. Uh, AFL in the AFL um, teams tend to follow each other in terms of zones, while in a soccer context team zones tend to sort of separate out more, or at least that's my my sort of observation on it, where, yeah, an attacking, an attacking team will be able to, to, to get that little bit more separation and build in a way that, yeah, that in, in, in Aussie rules footy doesn't, doesn't happen in quite the same way. I guess for people who might want to work for champion data or with champion data, what's your toolkit like at work? 
I use mostly Python at the moment. Python's so powerful with being able to uh, talk to everything. I can talk to databases and web services and yeah, sort of anything that you might might want to to connect to. So it's mostly Python and pandas. I do use a fair bit of R R Studio as as well for that sort of instant interaction. Uh, Jupyter notebooks with with Python are great as well. Yeah, I think especially yeah the the flexibility of working with with Python and being able to get things going quickly. Yeah, is really good, and so I would, I would really recommend that to anyone who's who's interested in sort of getting into this kind of field or, or working with data. So I like to read out this uh, quote: "People feel as if statistics is going to summarize everything into one value, as if one p-value is going to summarize five years of work." It's ridiculous. Everything is multidimensional. It's complex. So that I think that was by Susan Holmes. So I guess let's talk about some of, I guess, the more popular parts of Champion Data, the online content you guys produce on Twitter. So that's the, I guess, the AFL player rating Twitter account. Yeah. And also the Champion Data Twitter account. Sure. So this week it's round two was just completed. And today, actually, you've released the team of the week for round two. Hmm. And I guess the first three comments are wondering, where is Lockie Neal? <laughs> yeah, well, look, I should caveat this with, this is not something that I work with directly, so I can sort of talk about it in general. But um, I'm not a great, uh, like, footy analyst. But... I think the the important thing to think about with with player ratings is that it's actually measuring something slightly different than other rating systems. And um, player ratings is is measuring players' ability to sort of win the ball and move it to a dangerous place for their team. And that can sometimes give sort of slightly counterintuitive results and, and make you think about people's games slightly differently. And uh, you know, there's a, um, and that just means that uh, that Lockie Neal didn't quite get enough points to get in in front of Cunnington, Pendlebury, Cripps, Oliver, etc. But it certainly doesn't mean like oh that he had a bad game. And I think it's really good to have a little to have a sort of to for it to be slightly controversial. This kind of stuff because it, you want people to think about. Oh, what was it about that um, about Lockie Neal's game that you know that was better than these other players? And uh, all uh, rating systems are in some way imperfect. They all tell you something slightly different. And uh, you know, it's possible to have a a great game and not necessarily be highly rated. But yeah, I think we've got a lot of confidence that that player ratings is a really good reflection of of how much impact a player had on the performance of their team and um, uh, and of scoring. I guess that's an important point that you've made that, you know, there are lots of different rating systems and yeah. they're sort of bespoke to different sort of needs. What do you think the outcome measure of, say, the player ratings is different to, say, Supercoach? So what are they rating that's slightly different? Well, uh, so Supercoach is based on 
sort of accumulated stats across the game um, with some other factors depending on um, depending on the game state. But uh, but yeah, it does. It tends to re- reward players who who have touched the ball a lot and have sort of got a lot of marks on the stat sheet, um, which is a good measure of a player's performance. But it's just slightly different to uh, player ratings, which is based on uh, teams winning the ball and moving it from an area and situation where the team is unlikely to score to a, an area and situation where the team is, is highly likely to score. So um, winning the ball in a contested winning the ball from the opposition and then kicking it long into the forward line is a huge player ratings um, point getter. Uh, while the um, I'm not I'm not 100% across the every detail of the super coach rating system, but yeah, that that direction of kick, depth of kick is uh, a bit more important for player ratings. So if you're um, sort of moving the ball sideways a lot, you tend to get a bit of a lower score in player ratings, but a higher score in something like Super Coach. Of course, it's you know um, I think we saw over the weekend, and we see with with various teams that play a more sort of high marking, high possession game that it's really important to be able to to maintain possession and move the ball around. So yeah, it's certainly not a, a knock on those players, but uh, but yeah, it's just these rating systems are measuring slightly different things. So let's talk about the preseason team list. So Champion Data released their preseason team rating. So I guess we're in round two now. But preseason we had as a top four: Melbourne, Adelaide, Richmond, Essendon as the full list. Mm. For defence, we had Adelaide, Melbourne, Brisbane, Essendon. For midfield, we had Melbourne, Geelong, Adelaide, Collingwood. And as a forward line, we have Richmond, Adelaide, Hawthorne, Essendon. So are you able to tell us a bit more about, I guess, how these sort of rankings work? Um, Yeah, so that's an aggregation um, from the player ratings of the players on the list and uh, with also a look on sort of the depth of so how so we weight sort of the first sort of the best twenty two highest and then um, then there's smaller uh, contributions from the from sort of those more depth players. Um, I think the big thing that stands out is that uh, yeah Essendon do seem to be under underperforming <laughs> there as to where we have had them and. Uh, yeah, like, uh, well, well, we'll see what happens with that. I think Essen has, has caught a lot of people unaware, and I think, uh, yeah, it would be really interesting to see if they can uh, sort of be more successful as the as the year goes on. But, yeah, I think the other, I suppose the other fact that there is is Melbourne, and, yeah, it's been a, a bit of a wild couple of rounds. I think a, a lot of forecasters have have been knocked around a little bit in the last couple of rounds but yeah but from the from the players on on the list and and their sort of aggregate player ratings over time we do expect that that in terms of raw player skill or impact or 
or rating, those those teams are high. There are other factors about whether a, a team wins or loses about um, all sorts of, of things that aren't necessarily just sort of a sum of the the player the player skill and, and rating as well. But yeah, I should caveat as well that that's not something I actually work on a huge amount. So I can sort of talk about it more in general. But yeah, it's uh, it's not directly my work. So I guess it's the best 22 and it's the summation of their AFL player ratings. Uh, was there any team in that list that surprised you as a football fan? Um, yeah, just to clarify, there's some other some other logic under that as well about how exactly different players are rated. Yeah, and I'm not 100% across that. But yeah, it also pulls in for some other other sources. But yeah, I think uh, I think well, one as a sort of as a bit of a uh, or as a football fan, I think it's interesting uh, where where West Coast sits uh, in all of this. I think they were sort of underestimated a bit last year by the footy public in general, and uh, yeah, so I think that's. Um, yeah, and I'm sort of speculating a little bit because, like I said, I'm not a fantastic sort of footy analyst. But um, yeah, you sort of it's interesting to see what the formula for West Coast winning is, because yeah, in t- like they've got some fantastic players, but you know, with with Nadanui out for for so long, and yeah, it's uh, it's interesting that um, yeah they've managed to be very successful and I think some people at least haven't rated them perhaps where they should have been rated. What's your favourite piece of analytics that you've sort of seen done, I guess, firstly with football and then secondly overseas that you think was really cool? Well, yeah, I was I was thinking about this, this question and the one that really stood out was, was actually a bit of soccer analysis that was presented at the Sloan conference um 2018 uh, it was a paper called uh, beyond beyond expected goals it's by uh, william spearman and uh that's a really interesting approach to spatiotemporal data about uh, generating chances and looking at how players player decision making and and building quite a sophisticated and different kind of model uh which I think, yeah, we can really learn a lot from. Who's a player team that you think actually tend to overperform popular metrics that you might see on them? I think I was just talking about the Eagles, and I and I think that is something that, um, yeah, with their particular style with that does have a lot of marking. It's quite different to the way that, say, Richmond play, and. I think that they're a, yeah they're a team that idea of of spatial control of uh, and maintaining possession in that way perhaps has been slightly undervalued. I think we saw that with Collingwood versus Richmond in yeah in, in the round that's just passed. It's difficult sometimes to quantify exactly what that effect is, and that's something that. Um, yeah, I think it's, it's going to be really interesting to to analyse. So what's the next challenge uh, for you at Champion Data? 
what would you like to do, I guess, within this sort of year or two with regards to all your spatio-temporal work? Well, I think um, I'd really like to, to, I think I'd just like to see it continue to grow, to get it better understood, um, both sort of in, in, inside the clubs and also publicly. I'd really like to see it become, to be able to get that data into a shape where it can become part of the sort of the po- popular vocabulary the same way that uh, sort of contested possessions or contested marks are. I think that that's, yeah, is, is something that's a really sort of achievable goal and we're not quite there yet. But, uh, yeah, that's what I'm, I'm excited about. That's a really cool goal. So with that goal in mind, uh, how do you think about achieving that? Well, I think we've just got to keep working on, um, you know, the people who who are consuming the data, and so that's, you know, for us, that's the club, that's broadcasters, that's the public. Just working out exactly what uh, what the what the, the kind of stories that can be told uh, with the data are. So, you know, what is it that we'd love to be able to to show up at work and and talk about about sort of data and what would a coach and a line coach at a club really want to be able to sort of explain to a player so they could improve their performance or better understood understand why they they might have lost or won yeah so i think that it's it's listening to what those people need and what they want from it do you find, I guess, working for Champion Data, has that sort of enhanced your understanding and also your love of the game? I mean, you're a football fan before working for Champion Data. Uh, yeah, I, it has actually. It's it's You see a really different side. And, of course, as a Collingwood fan, I didn't really pay any attention to any other teams. Um, so, uh, yeah, so coming out and and understanding a bit more of sort of yeah, the the diversity of different kind of team performances and players. Yeah, so I I think it does enhance your love of the game, and also something that you sort of realise is the limitations as well of data when it comes to sport, and you know that where that's sort of why you love it because it's um, has that that random element, that emergent element where anything can happen. You know, I, I felt so confident coming into to round one. You know, I'd been thinking about footy for all the uh, uh, off-season, so for the men's sort of off-season, and then coming into that that round one of the AFL-M, you know, the men's competition, uh I sort of thought, oh yeah, I know, I know what's going to happen, and these teams are going to be bad, and and then suddenly, you know, it it just throws something up, and you think, oh wow, this is um, yeah, this is not what I expected, and and now we're all, um, you know, massively looking forward to, uh, you know, coming up is round round three, and um, Essendon playing Melbourne, and yeah, it's it, really looking forward to it. And I guess I ask all people involved in football. So who's your premier Brownlow medalist for the year? 
Sure, and I, I should say this is not in any way like an official champion data <laughs> um, prediction. This is purely, purely... Tim the Collingwood fan. That's right. Um, yeah, I, I think um, it's really hard to look past Nat Fife for the Brownlow. He's just so good. He, he almost... He almost averages a Brownlow mo- vote every time he comes out to play, I believe. So, yeah, I, I really think that he's a good chance. And I also, for some reason, when I've done a little bit of modelling, like a football Brownlow modelling, I always come up with Jack McRae. So, um, so yeah, I sort of have a have a bit of a feeling about Jack McRae as well. In terms of it, it's it's a really fascinating um, season, I I reckon I'd probably predict Richmond. You know, it's always, like they say, it's always a, a good idea just to sort of predict that things will be much as they are. And even though they've uh, had a loss and, and they're, you know, um, really unfortunately had a couple of really important injuries. Thank you for joining me today, Tim. I had a great time and I hope you did too. Yeah, thanks. Thanks a lot. Thanks a lot.